Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a good episode. I'm going to continue Spooner. It's a really, really interesting section. I love this part of the essay, but of course, I love pretty much every part of the essay. It's got a little complex nature to it, so I hope people get this one. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell people the truth and explain things like this, and hopefully it makes sense when I explain it. And I'm also a self-certified master practitioner. I gave myself that award almost 20 years ago and recently gave myself a Lifetime Achievement Award for all the work I've done on my podcast. So I'm pretty proud of all those fake awards. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and get the show going. So I want to continue Spooner's great essay here, Trial by Jury. And we're, like I said, kind of in the meat of it, probably more than halfway for sure, but close. And we're in a chapter that's basically about objections, where he raises all these objections that people probably would raise to the ideas he puts in here about the jury being responsible and having the authority to judge the evidence and the facts and the law and everything else. And that as soon as you veer away from that, like we have so long ago, you no longer have a real jury trial. You have a show trial, which is all we have here, all we've ever had in this country, because the stuff got all screwed up hundreds of years ago. And that's why the jury trial was then in favor, so-called, by the elite, because really it's just a show trial when the government controls everything like it does, which is the law, the interpretation of the law, the standards, the burdens, the evidence that comes in, who can sit on the jury. When it limits all those kinds of things, controls them all, well, then what you have ultimately is not really a jury trial. Now, of course, people think that's a jury trial. And in this country, because that's how everybody's educated, even the lawyers. When I went to school, and everybody learns the same kind of horse shit, that the jury judges the facts and the court judges the law and all this other shit. But his essay just proves that none of that's true. And I hope people read the essay. I hope they listen to my series. I hope they understand and spread the word because it's such a powerful tool we have. We don't have to wait for the stupid elections and all this other crap. The purpose of the whole thing is that juries all over the country every day, thousands and thousands in effect of hearings all over the country by the citizens themselves, making rulings on whether or not the laws, so-called as they've been passed by these crooks in these legislatures, are the kinds of things that the people are going to enforce and have any interest in. And when they're not guilty, that's what they do. And that's why I did that show about the radio show host and showed people that Uh, The the load of crap he does about jury nullification just makes jury nullification sound terrible because he completely and totally miseducates everybody, and he's screwing us. But if people understood that the jury was actually the way the people control the government, it would be very different. So I'm going to pick it back up. I'm going to go back and read a little tiny bit of what I read at the end of last time just to give it some context. Let's begin. The principles of the jury trial, then, are these— One, that in criminal cases, the accused is presumed innocent. Two, that in civil cases, possession is presumptive proof of property. Or, in other words, every man is presumed to be the rightful proprietor of whatever he has in his possession. Three, that these presumptions shall be overcome in a court of justice only by evidence, the sufficiency of which, and by law, the justice of which, are satisfactory to the understanding and consciences of all the jurors. These are the basis 
on which the trial by jury places the property, liberty, and rights of every individual. Okay, so that's where I read last time, and I wanted to finish that up because he then goes on and starts discussing a very important and relatively complex point, probably the most complex point in the entire essay, about the differences between sort of positive justice and injustice, and positive injustice. And I hope I can make this clear. I hope the essay is clear in this area. might be the kind of thing people need to read themselves a couple times and listen to it. But here we go. But some will say, if these are the principles of the jury trial, then it is plain that justice must often fail to be done. Admitting for the sake of argument that this may be true, the compensation for it is that positive injustice will also fail to be done, whereas otherwise it would be done frequently. The very precautions used to prevent injustice being done may often have the effect to prevent justice being done. But are we therefore to take no precautions against injustice? By no means all will agree. The question then arises, does the trial by jury, as explained here, involve such extreme and unnecessary precautions against injustice as to interpose unnecessary obstacles to the doing of justice? I'm going to stop there and try to explain a little bit of these concepts he's trying to get across. If you're in a civil case and the jury awards an award against you, in other words, to take your stuff, and you definitely had not done anything wrong, that would be positive injustice. That's doing injustice to you. Okay. If, on the other hand, you have a claim against somebody and you want your money and the jury refuses to give it to you. In other words, does not award it against the other person. That would be considered a situation where justice was not done. Now, people can, you know, split hairs. Well, that's unjust. It's unjust to you. Well, it's a distinction that's important. I'm not saying, I'm not going to play the semantics game and, and argue with people about the definitions. That's the way this stuff is used. That's the nomenclature that's been decided upon. And you can see the difference between the two things. And it's especially true when you go into the realm of criminal law. Same kind of thing where, say, you're accused of a crime and you didn't do it. And you get convicted and go to prison. That is a positive case of injustice being done to you. However, you flip it around that you're accused and you get not guilty. Well, at that situation, then no injustice was done to you. And at the same time, justice itself was not carried through. Say So it's true that there's in... Like again, same kind of thing. The victim of the crime can say, well, it was unjust. It's true, but it's not, it's not the same as positive injustice where the jury's actively going out and doing something. It's a failure of justice. See, justice fails as opposed to injustice being imposed. And that's the distinction he's going into here, is that as opposed to a situation where the jury actively goes out and does injustice against somebody, what the jury is doing when you're talking about a failure of justice is it fails to be convinced to do the just thing. 
And when it's failed to be convinced, the default position is that the jury doesn't do anything. It doesn't change the position of the parties. It doesn't take the property from one person. It doesn't put the other person in prison. And so that's the distinction that's being made. And it's a very important distinction because they're very different events. See, they're very different events, especially when you're dealing with the state. Right. The state is what we're really trying to get protection from. It's true that you can have it against individuals, but the reality is what you don't want is the state inventing charges and having you convicted. Right? That's gross injustice. If the state tries to invent a charge and doesn't get it uh, passed on you, that's actually justice. And that's the reason for the distinction. So let's listen to his kinds of explanations and hopefully they'll make some sense. Men of different minds may very likely answer this question differently, accordingly, as they have more or less confidence in the wisdom and justice of legislatures, the integrity and independence of judges, and the intelligence of juries. This much, however, may be said in favor of these precautions, that the history of the past, as well as our constant present experience, prove how much injustice may and certainly will be done systematically and continually for the want of these precautions. That is, while the law is authoritatively made and expounded by legislators and judges. On the other hand, we have no such evidence. And so right there you can see what he's saying, that the problem is that the state can come after you if you don't have these jury protections. Yeah, it's true the jury protection system is not perfect, but what it's designed to do is prevent this active injustice from being done. That's what it's designed to do. That's the entire concept behind better that 100 guilty men go free than that one innocent man be convicted. That's the very heart of this injustice versus justice argument that he's making here, that you don't want the state to be able to go out and just convict people who haven't done anything wrong. And the price for that is that some people who've done stuff wrong won't get convicted. But of course, the flip side of it, as he's making clear, is that if you don't have these protections in there, we all see what will happen. It will be used as a sword against you at all times to beat you up and threaten you with a state and have you constantly thrown away. And there's endless, endless examples. So let's go on. On the other hand, we have no such evidence of how much justice may fail to be done by reason of these precautions. That is, by reason of the law being left to the judgments and consciences of the jurors. We can determine the former point, that is, how much positive injustice is done under the first of these two systems, because the system is in full operation. But we cannot determine how much justice would fail to be done under the latter system, because we have, in modern times, had no experience of the use of the precautions themselves. See, that's the point. This is always going to be the point. Nothing's a perfect system. There's always trade-offs in every system. But we can look at the system we have now. It's horrible. The state uses it as a bludgeon and just bludgeons you to death with this ridiculous rigged up system. You have no chance in it. All the powerful people can drag you into civil courts and just screw you over. And so if we had the real jury trials has been discussed throughout this entire essay where the people are deciding, it's true that you probably would at points not get justice. It's true. But the chance of getting positive injustice is dropped dramatically by it. And in fact, if you look at what Plato says about injustice and the reason for laws, and I did an entire show on it, I think it's only in Patreon, but it talks about the fact that the real horror that people need to avoid is injustice being done to them. And that's the entire reason why nobody would agree to the kinds of system unless they can be made to. 
And it's the same kind of concept he talks about there uh, in the Republic as they're talking about here. Then it goes on. In ancient times, when these precautions were nominally in force, such was the tyranny of kings and such the poverty, ignorance, and the inability of concert of resistance on the part of the people that the system had no full or fair operation. In other words, he's saying, look, even back when the thing was kind of half-assed working like it's supposed to, okay, but at least it was more than no working like we have now, no ass working. It nevertheless, under all these disadvantages, impressed itself upon the understandings and embedded itself in the hearts of the people so as no other system of civil liberty has ever done. Right. See, the people have had a better experience with it in the past, and they love it so much that they want the jury trial. Now, of course, it's been so bastardized now by these these fucking liars and the constitutional conservatives who tell you what it is when it's not that. But... Regardless, his point is well taken that even only half-ass operating, the people were so attached to it that they enshrined it in that Magna Carta. And so anybody who listens to this series or reads the essay will see immediately that the jury system described here where the people are in charge, the people therefore stay in charge of the government, makes a thousand times more sense and will lead to much, much less injustice than any other system, especially the system we operate under. Let's continue. But this view of the two systems compares only the injustice done and the justice omitted to be done in the individual cases adjudged without looking beyond them. And this is the situation of the the dog who doesn't bark. One of the most difficult things for people to ever do from what I've experienced with people is for people to see what's not there. It's so much easier for people to argue about what is there as opposed to what isn't there that would be there, should be there, could be there, might be there if something else was happening, if we were doing it in another way, if this wasn't happening. All these things, you have to see what's not there. It's just not very easy to do for most people. Let's continue. And some persons might, on first thought, argue that if justice failed of being done under the one system, oftener than positive injustice were done under the other, the balance was in favor of the latter system. But such a weighing of the two systems against each other gives no true idea of their comparative merits or demerits. For, possibly, in this view alone, the balance would not be very great in favor of either. To compare, or rather to contrast the two, we must consider that under the jury system, the failures to do justice would be only rare and exceptional cases and would be owing either to the intrinsic difficulty of the questions or to the fact that the parties had transacted their business in a manner unintelligible to the jury. And the effects would be confined to the individual or individuals interested in the particular suits. Right, and here he's echoing the fact that he already discussed that, look, if you can't make your case, then you can't make your case. And, and the problem is not with the system. The problem is with the facts of your case and the way you conducted your business. And it doesn't mean that it's not unjust. It doesn't mean that. It just means that the way you did it doesn't work. And people need to learn their lesson that don't do business like that because it doesn't get explained. And I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to explain to people whenever they ask me for legal advice and help or any kind of advice. I always let it make sure they understand that, look, 
preparing to do it right is way more important than trying to fix it later. And there's all sorts of ways you can do that, and you need to understand the way the system's actually going to work moving forward if this thing falls apart, what you're going to be faced with having to try to prove, and how you're going to be allowed to try to prove it. And then you have to work back from there and do business accordingly. And he's just making that point. So here, let's go on. No permanent law would be established thereby destructive of the rights of the people in other like cases. And the people at large would continue to enjoy all of their natural rights as before. Right. See, well, what happens is you get a bad outcome. It's true, but it's limited. It's like a fucking watertight area. But when you add in all this, oh, we have to have precedent, you must follow, and you, oh, that, now you're screwed. When you add it into a law, a statute that we must follow, but the judge, because the legislature's passed and the judge must follow and all this other shit, the problem's compounded a millionfold, and that's what he gets into here. But under the other system, whenever an unjust law is enacted by the legislature and the judge imposes it upon the jury as authoritative and they give a judgment in accordance therewith, the authority of the law is thereby established and the whole people are thus brought under the yoke of that law because they then understand that the law will be enforced against them in the future if they presume to exercise their rights or refuse to comply with the exactions of the law. In this manner, all unjust laws are established and made operative against the rights of the people. This is the, oh, my hands are tied. I can't help it. It's a bad law. Take it to the legislature. Go and get your vote and all this other shit and get it overturned. See, none of those problems exist when you have the jury trial system. You don't get a constant repetition of injustice over and over and over like that. But when you have the statutory law, the way it's designed, the jury must do this and must follow that, and this is all enshrined with the precedent, well, you know, you're screwed. Because now this is the way it is. <laughs> See, that's just the way it is. Let's continue. The difference then between the two systems is this. Under the one system, a jury at distant intervals would not enforce any positive injustice, but only fail of enforcing justice in a dark and difficult case or in consequence of the parties not having transacted their business in a manner intelligible to the jury. And the plaintiff would thus fail of obtaining what was rightfully due him. And there the matter would end for evil, though not for good. For thenceforth parties, warned of the danger of losing their rights, would be careful to transact their business in a more clear and intelligible manner. See, that's where he lays it out, right there, what I've tried to explain to people. That, yeah, it's not that it's going to be perfect, but, hey, everybody here, did you hear what Joe did? He went down, yeah, he got screwed, he didn't get it. Well, what happened? And then the people started explaining. He's like, oh, well, you don't do that again as opposed to the statute that imposes, and then we all are stuck with it. Okay, he goes to the other. Let's continue. Under the other system, the system of legislative and judicial authority, positive injustice is not only done in every suit arising under unjust laws, that is, men's property, liberty, or lives are not only unjustly taken on those particular judgments, but the rights of the whole people are struck down by the authority of the laws thus enforced, and a wide-sweeping tyranny at once put in operation. <laughs> this point is completely one that cannot be argued. It's just obvious in hell. In fact, I was watching the History Channel because I love the History Channel. It's, to me, it's hilarious. It's, it's comedy. It's so ridiculous. And it was about Teddy Roosevelt, which, of course, is he's got to be one of the most absurd political figures. Think about the way they're going to treat Barack Obama in 100 years as a great president and a uniter and all this shit. As ridiculous and farcical as that is, that's how ridiculous and farcical the way they present Teddy Roosevelt was. 
And while he was in effect, like the district attorney in effect of uh, New York City, he had to follow the law. And he basically wrecked his, his sort of political career in the city by enforcing these laws that require that taverns close on Sunday, even though everybody agreed that the laws were shit. <laughs> well, he had to enforce them. Okay, that's a classic case of the example of this, where you have to do it. It's law and order, my law and order, tell it to the judge, just doing my job. All those things are the result of this other system. All right, let's continue. But there is another ample and conclusive answer to the argument that justice would often fail to be done if jurors were allowed to be governed by their own consciences instead of the direction of the justices in matters of law. That answer is this. Legitimate government can be formed only by the voluntary association of all who contribute to its support. As a voluntary association, it can have for its objects only those things in which the members of the association are all agreed. If, therefore, there be any justice in regard to which all the parties to the government are not agreed, the objects of the association do not extend to it. This is such an excellent argument. See, it expands it out once again. Shows you that these juries are part of government. This is the way people have decided to be governed. Okay, if you want to have government, it needs to be voluntary. <laughs> Forcing yourself on other people doesn't make sense. And that's why even if you're a small minority, 5-10%, the likelihood that you're going to be able to get laws uniformly enforced against them that those people object to when they're sitting on juries and they know they can simply not guilty and find against is very low. And so even though you have these representatives who get elected with votes and so-called majorities or supermajorities or however you want to do it, the last stand of those juries, and that's where the real minorities get represented in a society, because they are the ones who just say, no, we're not going to do it. How the hell could you ever get any of these drug laws enforced, these gun laws? You couldn't. If people don't like them or are allowed to sit on the jury, it was a huge portion of the population. Same with all these tax laws and the vast majority of all these laws, environmental laws, regulatory horseshit. If the people weren't struck from the juries all the ways they are by the government, you could never get these laws enforced. And so what has to happen is you have to understand that you have to shrink the, the operational breadth of government, that it just simply can't pass laws like that because people don't agree. I tell people all the time, how hard is it to get agreement about needing some basic roads and sewers? It's not hard. People want that. <laughs> they do want it. It's true you might or might not have a full unanimous sort of agreement, but it's going to be a very small group of people who aren't going to agree that you need basic roads and sewage and water and crap like that. You do. You need to be, have some kind of way to have justice and you know, a system and some kind of ability to have protection, not necessarily from the state. I would disagree with that, but you can see getting agreement about those kinds of things is easy. The problem all comes with this other shit, abortion and gun laws and all this made-up crap they want to do. Drugs all the time, conspiracies, while the government itself just runs rampant. So you say if you shrink the sort of areas the government's working on, well, then it's no problem. People get along. And the way they divide everybody up is having the government come in with these so-called simple majorities after they've rigged up every kind of vote and everything else. And then they shove it down everybody's throat. Tons of the stuff is shoved down throats that's all just simply uh, never even been voted on. It's just some crap that was imposed by these unelected jokers calling themselves judges, justices of the Supreme Court. It's a complete scam. See, this is the way it works. Let's continue. If any of the members wish more than this, if they claim to have acquired a more extended knowledge of justice than is common to all, 
and wish to have their pretended discoveries carried into effect in reference to themselves, they must either form a separate association for that purpose or be content to wait until they can make their views intelligible to the people at large. They cannot claim or expect that the whole people shall practice the folly of taking on trust, their pretended superior knowledge, and of committing blindly into their hands all their own interests, liberties, and rights to be disposed of on principles, the justness of which the people themselves cannot comprehend. <laughs> this is the idea that the, somehow the court tells us what the law is. It's utterly idiotic, and nobody agrees to that. It's a complete and total brainwashing that the constitutional conservatives just pile into in the worst kind of way. See, if the people themselves can't agree, well, then that's what, the way they want to run their life. That's the way they want to run their so-called country and government. If you're not happy with that, well, then you need to go find yourself another fucking place to do it. But what happens now is they act like we have to reach agreement. And the so-called agreement is reached with these bare majorities where they're all crooked anyway. And then they shove it down our throats and say, this is what justice and democracy is. And if you don't like it, you need to go get control so you can tell everybody else what to do. No, the answer is that these minorities need to be protected. And that if you can't get agreement from people, then the answer is not that you get to jam it down the minority's throat. It is that you have to convince everybody and get that minority on your side. That's all. That's all you can do. And if you can't do that, then again, the government's not entitled to shove it down someone's throat. It's very easy to get government where people agree that you can't just have rape and murder and robbery. So idiotic the way people go to that stuff. There's no disagreement about any of that. There's none. <laughs> Let's continue. A government of the whole, therefore, must necessarily confine itself to the administration of such principles of law as all the people who contribute to the support of the government can comprehend and see the justice of. And it can be confined within those limits only by allowing the jurors who represent all the parties to the compact to judge of the law and the justice of the law in all cases whatsoever. And if any justice be left undone under these circumstances, it is a justice for which the nature of the association does not provide, which the association does not undertake to do, and which as an association it is under no obligation to do. Wow. See, have you ever heard that point made by anybody with their fucking stupid constitutional conservative horse shit? It's all the same crap as I've told you again and again. My vote and try to get control. We've got to primary these people and get rid of Olympia Snow and all this crap. Try to eke out a majority and get control. Why? So then you can shove all your ideas down their throat. And then they get in power. They try to shove all their ideas down our throat. And that's the way the system works because the people behind it are all on the same team. Pushing the military police state on one side and the welfare fucking take your shit on the other side. And so each side's always taking everybody's shit in a different kind of way keep everybody divided. This system prevents all of that. So you can just see how much better it is just immediately. It's just simple. People just understood this. We can immediately get control of these absurd governments immediately and then start actually taking them apart. Let's continue a little bit more. The people at large, the unlearned and common people, have certainly an indisputable right to associate the establishment and maintenance of such a government as they themselves see the justice of and feel the need of for the promotion of their own interests and for the safety of their own rights, 
without at the same time surrendering all their property, liberty, and rights into the hands of men who, under the pretense of a superior and incomprehensible knowledge of justice, may dispose of such property, liberties, and rights in a manner to suit their own selfish and dishonest purposes. Man, he's so good. Yes, that's the whole deal. I don't care if they're just a simple laborer. I don't care. People understand what justice is. They do. And anybody who can't be made to understand the justice because it's too confusing fits into the other category. It's not that clear a case, and you need to clear it up. The only way it can get imposed is when it's clear to the people. Otherwise, what you get is the system we have, these multi-layers of just a system to impose bullshit on people. Let's continue. If a government were to be established and supported solely by that portion of the people who lay claim to superior knowledge, there would be some consistency in their saying that the common people should not be received as jurors with power to judge of the justice of the laws. But so long as the whole people are presumed to be voluntary parties to the government and voluntary contributors to its support, there is no consistency in refusing to any of them more than to another the right to sit as a juror with full power to decide for himself whether any law that is proposed to be enforced in any particular case be within the objects of the association. Right. This is just another great example of why it's such bullshit that they concoct these laws, run you through these kangaroo courts, and then you no longer consider as a juror. You're disqualified from voting. (laughs) How can the government take your right to judge of the government that the government purports to be a government made up of the consent of the people? It's utterly idiotic. It's so on its turns on its head, the entire concept. And yet the people are so incredibly bamboozled by constitutional conservatives for so many decades and decades and decades and decades and academics and liars talking about the history and our founders and all this shit and the Federalist Papers. There's so many lies they don't understand it. That's why Spooner is so important. Now let's finish this up. The conclusion, therefore, is that In a government formed by voluntary association or on the theory of voluntary association and voluntary support, which ours is, no law can rightfully be enforced by the association in its corporate capacity against the goods, rights, or person of any individual except be such as all the members of the association agree that it may enforce. To enforce any other law to the extent of taking a man's goods, rights, or person would be making some of the parties to the association accomplices in what they regard as acts of injustice. It would also be making them consent to what they regard as the destruction of their own rights. These are things which no legitimate system or theory of government can require of any of the parties to it. Wow, man, I just it's so good. And, you know, I've given people tons of examples of this about the way the jury must do that, must do this, can't do this. And in Texas, the jury's not even allowed to understand the impact of its verdict. I've tried cases after which you, you talk to the jury, like, why'd you rule against me? Well, we thought we were ruling your favor. <laughs> they don't even understand. See, they don't even understand. They feel abused by the system, not allowed to tell them that this is State Farm, not some little old lady sitting here in this auto case. Just endless examples of things like that. And that's not reasonable. And that's what this is about. As I've said again and again, there is no perfect system. But this system is so much better. It puts the government in the hands of the people. And the 
people are in control of the government, as opposed to the system we currently have, which is the government's in control of the people, and the people are told that the people are in charge of the government by constitutional conservatives, when in fact that's not the case. It's just been proved a million times. I've done hundreds of shows now. Just prove it every time. All right, let's continue. The mode adopted by the trial by jury for ascertaining whether all the parties to the government do approve of a particular law is to take 12-minute random from the whole people and accept their unanimous decision as representing the opinions of the whole. And even this mode is not theoretically accurate, for theoretical accuracy would require that every man who is a party to the government should individually give his consent to the enforcement of every law in every separate case. But such a thing would be impossible in practice. The consent of 12 men is therefore taken instead with the privilege of appeal, and in case of error found by the appeal court a new trial, to guard against the possible mistakes. This system, it is assumed, will ascertain the sense of the whole people, in other words, the country, with sufficient accuracy for all practical purposes and with as much accuracy as is practicable without too great inconvenience and expense. Wow, I just... I just, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but Spooner is just so good. See, that point is so clear that once you understand that these juries are about way more than what you've been told, it all starts to make sense why they've made sure you never know this. Because there's no way for these bad actors in government to get control and do all the crazy, stupid shit that constitutional conservatives rail about on radio and TV and print and have my entire life about getting getting the right people in there and we're worried about losing the republic and all this stupid shit. None of that would be necessary if people understood this power. None of it would be necessary. And that's why they make sure nobody figures it out. That's why I've decided to do the series because it's just utterly essential. You hear just argument after argument after argument just blows up all the stupid crap the constitutional conservatives tell us, all the stupid crap I learned in law school about what a jury is, all the stupid shit I watch go on in these trial courts. Judges just abusing living shit out of people, abusing their rights. Most of them actually think they're doing the right thing. They're so brainwashed, such blue pill fools. They never even bother to learn their own business, dispensing so-called justice. It's really outrageous. really is outrageous. Well, I'm going to stop there because he goes on to another point after that because... I think it's a very important point. It's a pretty sophisticated point with the justice and the injustice and the different things he makes. So I want to make sure that it sinks in with people. I think it's a good point to stop. So I'm going to stop there. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I just love Spooner so much. And I hope people are enjoying this series because it's so good, in my opinion. It's just so, so good. And if you want to follow me, you can. I'm Legal Man at U.S. Law Review on Twitter. And no update on the movie yet, uh, Jones Plantation. I play Mr. Jones. It was written by Larkin Rose. Great allegory about going from chattel slavery to debt slavery and the way the system works. And I really hope that people make that movie make a lot of money when it comes out this fall and buy it and watch it and buy copies for friends and stuff like that. Because if we can make movies like that, we can help spread the word. We can expand out. Because, you know, my podcast, there's not that many people listen to it. Yeah, it's it's one of the top 1% podcasts, but it doesn't take jack shit listens in order to get there. You'd be surprised how few listens most of them have. The vast majority have less than 30 listens <laughs> per episode. So it's pretty incredible. You know, you get into a few thousand listens and uh, you're 
a very, very elite podcast, which is absurd. Of course, the difference between them and the people who have big podcasts, but it's literally getting hundreds of thousands, millions of listens. That's just a huge, huge gap. And it's very hard to bridge that gap. But the people in my Patreon who support my show, they help the show stay around long enough so that it might, because it takes time just to percolate through the system. So I really appreciate those people who support my show with money and, and put their money where their mouth is. It's a lot of integrity, and I appreciate that. Cause it takes time to make the show. It took a lot of time to get the knowledge. And I hope my show helps. I really do. I really do. So, But that's it for today. I think there's uh, pretty much all I want to say, so I'll go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day, wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time for Legal Man. Great show. Thanks so much. I get to check your shirt on the way out. More quash. More quash. Make a